Attention people who still care. How can regular people like us invest in a way that fixes our broken financial system? This is the question we ask on the Crowd Effect podcast. I am your host, Paul Lovejoy, activist investment advisor at Stakeholder Enterprise. On today's show, Chase Bank fined $4 million by the SEC for accidentally deleting communications. Kind of like the time I accidentally deleted my browser history. But before we get into that, I first want to say that there are four banks that control half of all the banking assets in the United States today. Can you guess which four banks those are? You probably could come up with at least one or two. So let's break it down. Number one at the very top is Chase Bank. Number two, Bank of America. Number three, Wells Fargo. And number four is Citigroup. All right, so now what do you think, uh, who do you think are the top four most penalized corporations doing business in the United States? Well, according to the Violation Tracker Project, at the very top of the list is Bank of America. Number two, Chase Bank. Number three, British Petroleum. And number four, Citigroup. Don't worry, Wells Fargo is not far behind in sixth place. So three out of the four most penalized corporations in this country are banks. All right, so let's put that in perspective a a, a bit. So financial service industry has been penalized for $365 billion dollars since the Violation Tracker Project has been recording this since 2000. Now, in second place is the pharmaceutical industry at $113 billion. So let's just take Chase, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, and Citigroup. If you combine their fines, it totals $170 billion. So these four banks have been penalized more than the entire pharmaceutical industry. In fact, let's take the third place uh, industry at oil and gas at 55 billion. These four banks have been penalized more than the pharmaceutical industry and oil and gas industry combined. Uh, so, so that may help you put it in perspective. Chase, uh, let, let's break down some of their uh, offenses. So in the past, Uh, 23 years, they have been fined around $36 billion. Uh, And their top five offenses at the very top of the list is toxic security abuses. So they're selling us toxic securities. Uh, The the second one, their second largest offense, investor protection violations. Now, they've uh, violated uh, protecting investors Uh, since 2000, let's see, 77 times, 77 times, all right? You'd think they'd learn from the first. No, and it's ongoing. Uh, So what's number three is mortgage abuses, uh, abusing customers with mortgages. Uh, Number four is banking violations. And rounding out the list at number five is price fixing or anti-competitive practices, which has happened 21 times. So, um, 
That's kind of crazy. Let's put this in perspective uh, again about Chase. Um, Last year in 2022, they were fined uh, $40 million, primarily uh, for the the category of price fixing or anti-competition practices. Uh, Now, according to Investopedia, Chase was one of the top 10 most profitable corporations in the world. It was the only American bank to crack the top 10 list. And so it appears to me that all these violations that are, are, are that they're receiving are just a cost of doing business. Uh, and if they are the most penalized uh, financial services, if financial services are the most penalized industry in this country, uh, think about all of uh, the things they're getting away with. Um, and... They're, they're just profitable like crazy. Chase, top 10 last year. They're consistently in, in the top 10 most profitable corporations in the world. So, so this isn't changing. This isn't anything new. Uh, and, and this keeps on happening, which brings us to our new story of the day. Uh, June 22nd, JP Morgan Chase & Company was fined $4 million by the U.S. Security and Exchange Commission for deleting about 47 emails belonging to its retail banking group. Now, the SEC found that Chase failed to preserve the emails in violation of the federal securities laws, which require companies to keep records of their communications related to securities offerings. The emails were deleted in 2018 as part of a routine data migration project. Now, the SEC said that Chase's failure to preserve the emails could have prevented regulators from investigating potential securities violations. And we all know they have a history of securities violations. The bank has agreed to pay the fine and to take steps to improve its record-keeping practices. Well, of course, uh, the, que- the question that enters my mind, is this some type of cover-up or just merely incompetence? Now, uh, the director of the SEC's enforce- enforcement division quoted as saying, J.P. Morgan Chase's failure to preserve these emails was a serious violation of the securities laws and their enforcement action and the SEC's enforcement action sends a clear message that companies must preserve their records in accordance with the law. I don't think it sends any message. They're not getting it um, they, because this is not the first time Chase has been fined for its record-keeping practices. In 2013, the bank was fined $200 million by the SEC for and the, the Commodity Futures Trading Commission for failing to preserve staff communications on personal mobile devices, messaging apps, and emails. So this isn't, uh, this isn't a new thing. Uh, in addition to the fine, Chase has agreed to implement new records retention policy that is designed to pre- prevent future violations, create a new compliance function to oversee the company's record-keeping practices, conduct training for its employees on the importance of preserving records. Um, now, will this work? I, I doubt it. Um, and and why is that? Uh, now, I, I don't think... 
these financial service companies, these banks are inherently evil. I don't believe in such a thing as an evil corporation. Corporations are simply fulfilling their purpose and their purpose is to maximize profits for their shareholders. And these banks, they face immense pressure to constantly improve their profits every quarter. So every three months, quarterly reports come out. And if these reports saying, uh, hey, profits are up and the projections say, hey, we're going to keep killing it, guess what happens? Their stock prices go up and, and it's a win-win. Everyone high fives. The investors are all happy and, and it's, it's all kumbaya for the people who have an interest, financial interest only, only a financial interest in, in uh, these, these corporations. What happens if uh, the, the projections, these quarterly reports don't look good? Well, the uh, stock prices go down. And when stock prices go down, guess what happens? Shareholders demand blood and they start firing executives. And so these executives and the, and the, and the executives start firing employees. So these companies face these, this immense pressure to increase their, their profits. So, so what can you and I do? What can us regular people do to invest in a way that fixes our broken financial system? Well, uh, something that has happened just recently is the ability to become a crowd investor. Uh, the Jobs Act that was passed in 2012 uh, and was implemented, two key uh, components of the Jobs Act was implemented, one in 2015, the other in 2016. Uh, one was Regulation A+, the other one, Regulation Crowdfunding. This allowed regular people, you and me, to have access to the private market of investments via crowdfunding through through crowd investing. Okay, so so what is why is this significant? Uh, well, it's significant for a number of reasons. First off, now you and me, regular people, we can pool a small amount of money to fund a, a loan, a startup company, or a business venture, and. It doesn't, it, before the uh, accredited and institutional investors had access to this private market. Uh, banks were the, are, are the ones that give loans out. But for the first time in history, regular people now can crowd lend. Well, we can become crowd lenders and pool small amounts of money. There are reputable platforms where you can have an investment minimum of $100. $50. There's platforms with $25 investment minimums. $10 investment minimum requirements to become a crowd lender. And prior to 2015-2016, uh, these the, this this private lending wasn't available to regular people. So it's no wonder the rich have been getting richer uh, and the, just the middle class is, is stagnant. Uh, we haven't been having access to this private market. Now, uh, okay, there's an ethical concern that, that's here and an ethical reason why we should all be engaging in, in crowd investing uh, because these banks have too much power and are abusing customers and it seems like they just don't care because it just happens over and over and over again. And they get fined and 
Yeah, so what? They they still are the most profitable, uh, some of the most profitable corporations in the world. It, it, it's a cost of doing business. So yeah, ethical concerns uh, and ethical reasons why becoming a crowd lender uh, and, and by loaning to, to people, regular people loaning to people, well, the, the profits from uh, the, you know, and the, the returns that would have gone to banks, well, guess what? They now go to us uh, and it's a way to redistribute uh, wealth and power from, from big banks and to, to give it to regular people. Now, there was a paper uh, released this year by McKenzie and Company that's, that uh, noted that uh, the public market, the stock market, uh, its returns have been declining for the last 20 years or so. And uh, uh, these uh, accredited and institutional investors are leaving the, the public market, the stock market, and going into the private market because of higher returns. Now, the reason why the private market was locked out uh, for uh, us regular people in the beginning uh, was well-intended. Um, it, it's very risky, the private market, because um, you know, this is startup companies, business ventures, um, and, and, and loans. They, they all carry you know, inherent, you know, massive risk. But with the beauty of crowd investing, you can be diversified very easily. $10 minimum investment requirements. Uh, so with $1,000, you could be invested in 100 different projects. So it, it has taken uh, the best of both worlds. It's allowed regular people um, this incredible, exciting uh, opportunity to uh, invest in the private market. And it's, it's also provided a way to mitigate risk uh, by, by these low investment requirements um, and, and, and being able to become incredibly diversified, just like a bank now, uh, regular people can be. Uh, so this, this is a, a, a fascinating and, and just a welcoming time uh, to be a crowd investor. Okay, so that's just the tip of the iceberg. Let's talk inflation. Um, um, banks on, on a average year, it's estimated that up to 97% of money is, is being created by commercial banks. Uh, now, how is this possible? Well, well, banks are allowed to loan money based on the deposits of their account holders. Now, um, banks, they're not actually using uh, account holders' deposits for the loans. Imagine if you are looking at your account and all of a sudden it's down to zero because the bank is using it to loan somebody. People would freak out. No, that's not happening. Instead, they're legally allowed to create money. This is called fractional reserve lending if you want to look it up. It's it's mind-blowing. Uh, and so they're legally allowed to, to create uh, money for these loans. And and what happens, how does inflation happen? Well, it happens when there's the money supply uh, outpaces the economic growth. If, if, if economic output can't uh, keep up with money creation, then we have an excess supply of money, uh, which 
means our, our the, the value of our dollar decreases and inflation. You know, this is systemic inflation. And then when you have years where the government is creating money on top of it, like uh, this the stimulus that happened from the, the COVID pandemic, well, of course, we're going to have uh, inflation. Uh, here's the beauty with crowd lending. Uh, we don't get to create any money when we are putting up uh, uh, our money for loans. There's no money creation that's happening. So this is a very powerful tool to, um, uh, to redistribute wealth from, from banks, to have the potential to achieve higher returns, and to stem inflation. Uh, and this is just the one uh, class of crowd investing, which is crowd lending. Um, and I'm not even going to go into the other classes and the positive impact that crowd investing has on ourselves and our economy. My name is Paul Lovejoy. I am a crowd investor and I see you are one too. If you'd like to know how to democratically, without confrontation or divisive political action, fix our broken financial system, go to stakeholderenterprise.com.